Hello everyone, you are now joining us for the September podcast and our theme for September is sustainability. I'm very honored today to have uh, Eduardo Iannuzzi, who is the co-founder of the sustainable sneaker brand ACBC Shoes. They offer what is different about ACBC, as Eduardo is going to tell us today a little bit more, is that they are sustainable and they offer a very innovative solution to the footwear industry's negative impact on the environment. We all know that being a fashion entrepreneur is not easy, but uh, Eduardo, you and your business partner managed to create not just a brand, but also a consultancy firm where you help other renowned luxury brands in their sustainability journey as well. So I'm very curious to hear more about your background and how the idea of ACBC Shoes was born. Okay, okay. Nice to, to be with you. Thanks, Neri. Maybe we can start from the meaning of the brand, what ACBC stands for. So ACBC means anything can be changed because, I mean, the, sen- the, the meaning of this is that when we founded it in 2017, we were convinced to be able to change the industry with sustainable innovations. We were sure that with the introduction and, uh, let's say, distribution and uh, trying to ease the use of these technologies by teaching how to use them and why to use them, the market would have, let's say, we could have helped the market to change. And we thought, like, in terms of uh, mindset, we thought the company as a company that would have been able to reach 2030, 2040. So also thinking about the, the world of resources and materials, how will it evolve in time? And, uh, you know, just recently, the, re- the, mar- the resource and materials market has really changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Prices of the materials has uh, grown drastically. And uh, fossil materials, of course, have been, uh, are in, uh, in the way of extinction. Uh, leathers, animal leather, will be as a byproduct of the food industry will be 90% less available after 2030. So there's a radical change in the materials market. Apart for the need to change, there's also uh, in terms of creating a positive change, there's also the necessity to adapt to this situation. And so we, we, we created basically our first innovation when it was November, 2017. And, uh, when we created it, uh, we thought that it was only a test. It was only a test, and uh, that was the zip shoe. And it was a modular technology for sneakers. And we actually launched it on Kickstarter to see how it, how it would go. And uh, what happened is that the video of that invention went viral and made 50 million views globally on Facebook. So me and Joe decided to, to leave our jobs, basically. He was working for as a general manager for Trussardi in Asia. And I was a product designer, industrial designer in UK. And uh, after, let's say, this, this, uh, this test, this market test, we decided to come back to Italy because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it was a, just for, by, by chance that the first investor was in, in Milan. And, and so we, we decided to, to, to create ACBC uh, in Milan. I'm curious also about, you talk about the materials and that's actually a very interesting angle. You talk about the year of 2030 and uh, I recently was uh, reading a consultancy report 
by Bain and Company about sustainability. And Diana, who is also going to be another speaker in September, she's the founder of Positive Luxury and she wrote a um, consultancy report with Bain and Company where she also talks about sustainability in 2030 and beyond. So uh, you know, it's very interesting what you are saying regarding 2030 and beyond and how materials that we use is going to change. I think that's not many people actually are aware of, about and they know about that because sustainability has become very trendy, but it's actually now a necessity. Absolutely. Right now, imagine that also having 90% less availability of leather, we, uh, we will have, as a matter of fact, only luxury will continue to use leather. And that leather will be, of course, certified and sustainable. Yes. So the, the growth of the animals will be certified. Their killing way will be certified. Everything that matters will be certified on those leathers. But it will be only 10%. I see. What will the rest of the market use? I mean, right now we have composites, composites between PU and uh, waste materials. We have PU with a molecular, uh, a molecular origin from uh, a cornstarch, so a bio, partially bio-based PU. But PU, anyways, is a, is a material that once you make it, it will never disappear. So it's not a solution, really. What we see today, uh, all the, uh, for example, the PU made by, with the waste of grapes, the PU made with the waste of apples, whatever, mm -hmm. that's not really a solution. I'm actually following with great interest uh, the production of uh, new leathers from bacteria. Mm -hmm. I think the, the biotechnology can be, can be a solution for the future. It's, a, it's very interesting and uh, very promising because you don't need land to grow it. Yeah. Uh, in difference, you know, with uh, bio, other biopolymers, you don't need uh, much energy. You need really four liters of water to make uh, one meter of uh, leather from bacteria and you need, you know, 22,000 liters of water to make one t-shirt, okay? That's the, the comparison. That's amazing. Yeah, That's so bac bacteria and biotechnology is really big hope for me. I want to also ask you about the materials that you use in ACBC shoes and what makes them different and also you touched a little bit upon what's interesting to you in terms of material now, but also I'm interested to hear about your vision for the ACBC shoes and the materials. Right now, we, we are, let's say our commandments are, we use animal-free and uh, bio-based, so coming from circular and plant-based uh, origin. And then we use uh, uh, recycled. So recycled can be either fossil materials, which are recycled or natural fibers recycled like recycled cotton and the recycled wool or recycled polyester recycled nylon recycled rubber etc what we uh, of course now are, are trying to do is to maximize the sustainable content in our in our products by doing research and development research and development is really the core of our activity every day we do uh, constant research of everything that is coming up so new, new stuff that is coming to the market mm -hmm. and everything that is available. Available on a global base because we also we have production in Asia, Europe, and South America. 
we don't want the materials to travel. So we need to have a local source of uh, raw materials that are ne near to the factory. What we try to do is to maximize this sustainable content in our product, thanks to this research and development, thanks to our uh, suppliers that are also willing to, to change maybe uh, and, uh, and uh, work on the material to reach certain targets of aesthetics and performance. And uh, what we do is sometimes, for example, mix uh, bio-based EVA from sugarcane with a recycled EVA to boost the sustainability content by 15-20%. Sometimes we join, in fact, what we're doing right now in terms of research and development is joining the bio-based uh, biopolymers with uh, waste materials until the point where the waste material doesn't affect the performance or the aesthetic of the final product. So we're really testing uh, uh, new ways to achieve uh, the sustainability targets, mm -hmm. both for us, this work of course is for ACBC brand, but also for the, the collaborations and also for other brands as let's say, for example, uh, Caring Eyewear is using us to uh, find the new biopolymers for their eyewear frames rather than uh, for example with Balenciaga we are uh, testing right now a heel we created a heel again from bacteria it's basically a special kind of bacteria that when that can eat uh, agricultural waste and can extract the sugar from agricultural waste and by extracting that sugar and eating it it transforms it in a granule that it can then be used and, and injected like plastic pellets. So right. you can basically uh, inject it in molds. And we, we've done basically the first heel for women's shoe with this material. And uh, we're testing it right now. So that's pure research and development for the, for the fashion industry. To help the fashion industry reach really the target of minus 50% CO2 by 2030. And then there's the collaboration, so the co-brandings, which are fundamental for our business model because we, of course, grow for thanks to every co-branding because we produce the co-branding and sometimes we also distribute the co-branding. Why we produce it? Because we need to, as a, we are the first Italian footwear company to have reached the B Corporation certification. Mm -hmm. And to reach that level of, sustainability and social standards, we need to ensure that every product that we brand will be made with our certified supply chain. And therefore, the factories need to be audited for the use of energy, the use of water, how they treat their workers, the chemicals that they output in the environment, the chemicals that they use inside the factory, and so on. And how did you source your suppliers? How did that happen? Your you told me that your manufacturers and suppliers are in different countries. They are not all in Italy, from what I understand. We source them on the base of, let's say, um, what happened is that since 2019, the factories have started to be audited, not only on a, let's say, on a workers, uh, the workers' condition, but also on, a, on the environmental standards. So we look for factories that either have that audit Mm -hmm. or have the mindset to be uh, to reach that standard and so they follow our vision and that's even better because it means that we have brought a factory from being uh, let's say zero or from being you know just above zero to be 
to reach maybe six or seven points out of 10. And then we, we bring the factory on a, on a road to, to improvement. Uh, you know, I'm also curious, and I'm sure the listeners will, will be interested as well. So you have the idea, you have the Kickstarter project, and it goes viral. And from there, you find an investor. Could you take us through the steps that it took to create ACBC Shoes in the very early days? How did you make it happen? Well, okay, we are still very small and still have a super long way to go. We're just at the third uh, year mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's still super tough. <laughs> and uh, we have every, because every year we need to double almost the result of the past year, especially for what is right now the, the finan- financial market. Because we, we took a step in the financial market when we decided to take the first investor. And from then, we are basically set to uh, respect the numbers that we give to our investors to make them invest in ACBC. So to start off, let's say we, I, I simply, actually, I was alone when, when I did the Kickstarter. I didn't even have one, uh, almost, uh, I was basically alone. Mm-hmm. I didn't have my current partner. And I, I was devoted to, to speak the language of that platform and you know to try really and uh, uh, and merge in with the best projects that that were successful so have this you know imitate their tone of voice uh, the way they took the pictures in fact if you if you look basically at that way of uh, thinking is the same way of thinking that we have today when we have important pitches or meetings what we do is we study the people that we have in front of us we check the videos while we, they give their interviews. We see what words they use, trying to, to merge in their mentality, their vision, and speak their language to, to be able to, to basically get the message across. It's empathy in the end. It's really empathy and the trying to merge well with who you have in front. That's interesting because I, I uh, have a friend of mine, Ron Friedman, who wrote a book called Decoding Greatness, and he talks exactly about that. He codifies the success and what people have done and almost like imitates just like you've done with kickstarter he studies what they've done before codifies it and basically he follows he explains it much better than i'm doing now but listening to you i can understand you know you don't even know his work but that's what you have done in the beginning so it's it's interesting what challenges did you face in the early days? I know you said you are still in the very beginning, but uh, what challenges did you face and what challenges are you facing now and how do you overcome them? Okay, the biggest challenge is that basically you always need to consider yourself at the starting point. You can always do better. You can always, you know, improve. You never need to be satisfied of what, I mean, uh, you know, and uh, you really need to to take out every every millimeter of the every gram of your energy put it out and use it well that's really the biggest challenge to never feel satisfied to never sit down and especially to to have a good team around you to have a good team with the same energy that has this kind of mentality and uh, once the team is up then the manager is fundamental because the manager needs it's basically a coach so it needs always to take out all this energy from everyone, take the best energy out. I think that's the biggest challenge. 
because at times, I mean, you can, you know, you, you can fall down, you can be depressed, you can be, you know, negative, mm -hmm. but you always need to, to resurrect and be positive again. If not, it's, uh, it's impossible to, to reach the results. I mean, thinking about myself and uh, ACBC, I mean, I, it was so tough until now. And it'll be even tougher for the next couple of years or so. When we spoke earlier, you told me about the challenges you faced during the pandemic where you had to close stores and then you had to pivot and uh, reach out people and offer your services as a consultant. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? That's basically the spirit of adapting because at the beginning, we opened the stores with the zip shoe. They were monobrand, so flagship stores. And when the COVID arrived, we had 13 monobrand stores and a mono product. The COVID arrived, they all closed. There were 18 in China and the rest in, uh, in Europe. They all closed and we had basically to completely change our business model to survive. Wow. Only, let's say, six months before the, um, the COVID hit, I, I had kind of a, a great intuition because I, I read... I simply read what was happening and, uh, and, and uh, felt that it was time really to take action in terms of uh, changing the fashion industry with sustainable innovation. Because basically the National Climate Center of Australia published the research where they were saying that in 2050, we could have the point of no return for the um, nature's balance. And that if we didn't cut the emissions by 70% between 2020 and 2030, most definitely that point of no return would have been passed. And that was published in, in July, 2019. When that research came out, uh, I was so shocked that there were, I had to see it on a very small, let's say piece of uh, newspaper. No one was speaking about it. No one uh, felt uh, in danger and uh, humanity seemed like it was almost death, okay? When this research came out, I called my, my partner. I told him, hey, we need to do full-on sustainability. We need to be really full-on sustainability. And it will be the next super, super big thing. The world will face crisis because it will be impossible to do this cut of emissions within 2030. That was my opinion. It was my opinion then. It's not my opinion now. Now I'm much more faith. I have faith that we can actually reach a target. Because I'm seeing that after the COVID, the whole world has actually taken, uh, it's much more conscious. Everyone is much more conscious of, their, of how fragile we are. And that environmental crisis means also economical crisis. But we needed the, it's frustrating that we needed the COVID to, to wake up. If we didn't have the COVID, probably the world would have been in a much worse position. And... Uh, Let's say that the COVID helped sustainability develop in all the, in all the sectors, including uh, the financial sector, where today there, is a new, there are new laws that are rating companies not only on their economic profits, but also on their uh, compliance with social and environmental standards. So, you know, if there is an economical, uh, environmental crisis, there is also an economical crisis. And that's Absolutely. all tied together. It's very true. And, uh, you know, you actually do a lot of collaborations. You help uh, luxury brands in their sustainability journey, which is being a consultant. But you also do collaborations with ACBC and creating 
shoes. You yeah, got... the difference with consultants is that we know about product. We know about who makes products and mm -hmm. we actually not just say how things should be done. We do things. Yes. So uh, that's the reason why we are now really appreciated in the fashion, in the fashion industry. And so many companies are calling us to help them in the transition to reach more sustainable products and more sustainable productions. And if we basically didn't take action in that July 2019, we would have never came out basically in November 2019 with that shoe that WWD claimed to be the world's most sustainable shoe. Mm -hmm. And in January, February, when COVID hit, we shut down all the stores and we started the consultancy thanks to this activity that was only, you know, six months prior to, to COVID. And it was because of your intuition, which is a very uh, unique characteristic to fashion to all entrepreneurs. But I am going to say fashion entrepreneurs because you are in the fashion industry. And there are many themes here, intuition, the need to adapt. I've seen it again and again, the companies that the brands that fail to adapt, they actually die and they are forgotten. So this is particular for the fashion industry, the need for adapting. Yes, absolutely. What Usually the fashion industry didn't have to adapt to the, I mean, to the world. It had to adapt to the, only to the fashion trends, you know, and fashion exactly. really, now it's a different situation. Exactly. And what is your, what, what does sustainability really mean to you? And do you think we can, as, a, as the fashion industry, do you think we can ever be sustainable? For sure we can. Uh, sustainability means that we can, let's say, we produce and we use the world resources in a way that we don't basically reduce them. In a way that they can be sustainably used of resources means that the resources as, are always the same, like FSC certification of woods, for example. You use uh, wood as a resource, but in a way where you don't cut uh, too many trees that can affect actually the, the uh, that can bring to the death of the death of that of that woodland. You cut the trees only in the measure that you keep that woodland in a in a safe uh, condition. And is there any brands that you admire, and uh, why? Do you have any role models particularly? Brands that I admire definitely in the footwear industry. There is a Ve Veja, Veja. Yes. Of and uh, and uh, Old Birds. Yes. Old birds. These are two brands that I definitely admire, and then uh, like big groups like like uh, I see, for example, uh, um, the the French are really serious about their sustainability. We are collaborating with uh, the Caring Group, and uh, they have a very serious approach to their sustainable development. So what 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 I can say is that definitely working with uh, with them has also helped us to grow and raise our standards. And uh, it has been definitely a, a fruitful confrontation for both. It's, it's, uh, it's very good to hear for you to say that because uh, I'm often asked by students and whenever I'm doing my teaching, they are very skeptical whether luxury brands are really sustainable. And I, I can tell you, for example, Balenciaga is doing so much on sustainability, but it's not communicating anything until now. Yes. I think this is not really a good, I mean, I really appreciate 
the seriousness of their approach, but I don't agree on the fact of not communicating because communication is an, is a fundamental part of uh, the sustainable transition. You need first to, to educate the consumer on what is better than other, than other materials, what materials are better, what certifications need to be uh, known. Mm -hmm. And then you need to give them the, the tools to be able to buy uh, product rather than the, than the other. Education is key, absolutely. Education and communication, I think. Yes. Absolutely. As a fashion entrepreneur, what will your advice be to those who want to start their own fashion brand, shoe brand, especially those who want to start a sustainable brand? I know it's not an easy task and I'm often asked by clients, by students, how to do it. So what will your advice be? My advice would be to, to start with a Kickstarter. Kickstarter is definitely a good uh, starting point and to, to really work on the product. The product quality needs to be perfect. The com everything needs to be perfect. Yes. Every, the thing is that everything needs to be perfect. If there are 10 pillars that you need to count on, every pillar needs to be absolutely perfect. If there's even one thing that is not okay, the whole thing can collapse. I completely agree. I mean, I, I, one time I said, I really like perfectionism because you have to be ruthless when it comes to quality because you are giving a product to the consumer, how it's made, how it's sourced, how it's delivered, everything has to be perfect. And uh, basically, you know, sometimes they say, oh my God, you can't be too much of a perfectionist. It's seen as a bad thing sometimes but i agree with you completely this was a very inspiring and incredibly full of information uh, interview and i really appreciate that you took the time to speak with us today one last question which i ask everyone is to is this one if you were to meet your 18 year old self today what advice will you give to him Huh. <laughs> okay. Question. I would definitely, I would definitely uh, accelerate my try to accelerate my knowledge in uh, sustainable technologies. So I would have started earlier than only, let's say, because I started three years ago. I could have started eight years ago and have even more knowledge today to be able to help the industry. So that's definitely one thing that I would do. I don't want to say this to be negative. I want to say this to have the right attention on this problem. It's not an occasion to, to, to a trend, something to be in because you need to be in it. No, you need to understand the real problem that we are facing. And if we don't cut by 50% the emissions by 2030, we are risking seriously because the, the global warming could be over the 1.5 degrees and being only over by 0.5 so not being at 1.5 but going at 2 means much more acidifications of the water uh, much more desertification much more poverty it's just something that we cannot face we cannot risk to face so if we continue on on the pace where we are right now we are going in the wrong direction we need to be much more serious measure exactly what we are doing, measure the difference between before and after and be, and be afraid of what can happen, really. And Eduardo, just I, I know I said last question, but uh, um, 
I'm curious, what advice will you give to someone who has a leather products label? For example, I have a leather products label I produce for Italian luxury brands. And, you know, of course, I use sustainable material because the Italian government uh, only allows the leather to be a byproduct of the food industry. Let me let me give you this this advice. And uh, it's something that we reckoned also recently after speaking with uh, other luxury brands in Italy. Who does luxury needs to go on the highest possible certifications of leathers. The highest possible means knowing the origin, where the, the animal is, uh, is grown, how the animal is grown, how the animal is killed, etc., etc. After, of course, the treatments and the chemicals used to, by the tanneries. And uh, I'm not saying that animal leather doesn't need to be used. It, needs, it will continue to be used in that 10%, let's say, uh, amount compared to today. Yes. So it will be only uh, left to the luxury, luxury brands to use, but it needs to be used uh, in the highest possible certifications. Absolutely. And that's mm. what I'm doing. By the way, um, we know the origin of the animal. We visit every single factory. We use material that is um, protective to the human health. So no cancerogenic product, even the glue that we use is water glue. And all these things matter, the material matters. So, you know, you talk about perfectionism when it comes to sourcing manufacturing, we in our own factory all employees have full benefits and uh, they have high salaries, which I believe is an important part of sustainability as well. Absolutely, how, absolutely. How you treat the employees and the benefits that you give to the employees. Absolutely. The social standards go in the same direction of, uh, sustain of uh, environmental standards. Brilliant. Well, it was such a inspiring conversation and I learned a lot. I learned a lot, so I'm sure the listeners will really enjoy listening to the conversation as well. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks, Neri. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. It was a pleasure.